Okay, welcome back to another episode of the My Love of Golf podcast for this week. Well, of course, it's been an absolute roller coaster over 48 hours in the world of men's professional golf. The PIF, the DP World Tour, and the PGA Tour announcing their strategic partnership, which is going to change the face of men's professional golf moving forward from effectively this point, but we'll see it all roll out in 2024. To help us digest some of that, I've grabbed a couple of people. One that's uh, affected by it, absolutely directly because he's employed by Liv. That's our friend Blakey from Golf Rules Questions. He's joining us to have a chat and also one of the leading Twitter accounts that's been following all of this activity for the last few years. It's Tom from the Twitter account Flushing It. He's based in the UK. He's joining us to digest all this and to help us get our heads around it. It's just a fairly open and fairly wide-ranging chat about all of the activity that's gone in the last couple of days. Tom from Flushing It joins us and Blakey from Golf Rules Questions. Check them both out. Thanks for joining us. If you've got anything that you want to add, if you've got any questions, if you've got any feedback, of course, feel free to jump on Twitter, jump on the social media, jump into our Discord where we're chatting about all of this stuff nonstop. Okay, thanks for listening. Here is Tom from Flushing It. Tom Hobbs from Flushing It. Thank you for joining us on the My Love of Golf podcast. I really do appreciate you giving up your time. It's morning time over there in the UK, evening time here in Melbourne, Australia. It's coming up to maybe just 48 hours after the professional golf world got uh, mashed around, turned upside down and thrown a curveball to everyone who uh, has been watching professional golf um, and all its variations that we have been watching it in and you have been very close to all of the professional golf because you are the operator of the great Twitter account where a lot of people 38,000 39,000 followers of Twitter call flushing it and we've got Blakey here so Blakey of course all of the listeners in the mile of golf team know Blakey he's the world world's best authority on golf rules golf uh, rules questions and also probably one of the people the only people that I know that's directly impacted about as I just mentioned this upheaval in the world of professional golf we all know by now what we're talking about that's the merger of the pif merger i don't even know if that's the right right term tom i might just throw to you how do you describe what happened as i referred to an upheaval how do you describe it so i think it's a partnership with the pif it's not a merger in any way and if you listen to rory's comments yesterday um i'm not sure how much respect i give to him as an authority in this anymore because he's been consistently wrong but um I don't think that it's a partnership between, well, sorry, a merger between Liv and the PJ Tour. It's more just a partnership with the PIF and the Liv may just kind of stay separate, but now be welcomed into the ecosystem. 48 hours has almost turned um, over since then. You've probably woken up and there's been a whole host more of, you know, tweets coming through and uh, information coming through. What has effectively transpired in the last 24 hours since the, the announcement and what are you noticing um, as the, the narrative and as the story unfolds? Well, I try to stay quite close to seeing what's going on and the way the media are sort of portraying things. And it appears to me that there's this deal's been done. It's been rushed through for whatever reasons. Maybe they were scared about a leak or something. Um, and the PJ Tour have, have been very quick to try and front run the news cycle and to try and like spin it in their favour. Um, Liv haven't made any official comments yet, but obviously the news came out yesterday. I tweeted about it. Um, there was some leaks from the meeting that Greg Norman fronted. Uh, they said that they're still going to continue trading for the end of this year. Uh, for 2024 and 2025 they feel very confident about their position and feel like it's opened up a lot more doors for them now because they don't have the constant headwinds that have been put in their way by the pj tour so yeah i guess at the moment we yet to hear from Liv. hopefully they say something soon 
Um, but their, their side of the story is probably the most interesting one and the one that I'd like to hear from most at the moment. Talk to us about flashing it. Yeah, let's give, give yourself a bit more of a, an airtime here. And, and what's your background and how did flashing it all start? And, and, and what was the driver behind, you know, your love of the game of golf and, and how flashing it sort of came about? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Um, I, I got into golf when I was about 13. Um, I was a, a good junior player, played county level. Um, I, I got to 18. I didn't really, I dropped out of college. didn't really have much um, I wanted to do with um, with my life, really. So I thought, why not just turn pro and, and play golf? Um, so I did that and started working in my local shop. It's, it was like teaching and stuff wasn't really my, my sort of thing. So I decided to try and play mini tours. Um, I did that for a few years. I got obsessed with practicing. I over-practiced and gave myself an RSI. So I quit when I was about 22. So I only did it for about four years. Uh, then I went into uh, doing interiors on um, high-level uh, properties like super yachts and stuff. Uh, I did that for about three, four years and then went out on my own. And I have my own business now doing uh, super yacht interiors and luxury apartment interiors and stuff. So, yeah, so that's kind of my main job. Um, with flushing it, I, I was... I just enjoy golf and just like talking about golf. And I originally set this up as a meme account to try and sort of really encourage kids from in my area and, and, and in the UK to sort of start being interested in golf. Uh, it developed when I sort of did that for a few months and thought, you know what, there's loads of these accounts around. Maybe I'll start talking about golf storylines instead. And obviously when Live happened, uh, being quite a neutral entity, you could just say exactly how I saw it. Uh, I think was picked up by a lot of people and they respect my opinions because I don't have any financial interest in flashing at golf at the moment. I just talk about stuff and, and I'm not worried about the effect it has on me or the, the brand. So yeah, I think it's, it, it works well because I'm not concerned about losing access. So I can just, just put, just say how it is. And I think people respect that. And certainly the, the players from live have respected that because I've been on their side and, and, and given them a bit of a voice, which they didn't have. So you wouldn't, you wouldn't say that you've been pro-live and anti-PGA Tour, you know, because it seems to me that, you know, there's a great divide here amongst uh, people who support golf. You know, the, there's been a, a whole raft of people that have, I guess, sided on the PGA Tour side and, and live was the devil. And then, you know, you've got the people that really embraced what live golf was all about and, you know, saw the PGA Tour as, you know, present, presenting challenges from the growth of the game. And then you've got people like me, which, you know, just want to just call themselves, I'm in it for the golf. And if, if live golf offered yep. me uh, a vehicle to watch and see and, and uh, enjoy golf as an entertainment vehicle in a way that I enjoyed it, well, I was going to subscribe to that. I was going to be part of that and enjoy it. But also if the PGA Tour still offered me the same interesting golf property, I'd enjoy that as well. And pretty much that's what happened. I watched them all and I've been to live in Adelaide as many of us did and enjoyed that. Um, do you, you don't take a side, you know, you'll maintain that. I talk about all golf. Yeah. That's, that's the thing I've always said throughout this. Like last year, when I started talking about live, there was one week where I, I, I wrote down the numbers. I can't remember now, but I think I tweeted 50 times about things like the PJ tour, the LET, the DP world tour, the Asian tour, the sunshine tour. And I posted twice about live and underneath I got comments about how I'm a live shield, how I'm paid by the Saudis, how I'm only doing this because you know, it's just, it was just mental, the, the comments, but I think like yourself, there's been a few of us on Twitter that have just flat out refused to fall in this line that the media has set where live golf was a bad thing and everything to do with it was horrendous. And anyone who talks about it was a bad person. We've just continued to cover it because it's golf and I enjoyed golf. And the most captivating thing about it for me and probably for you as well 
is that they're traveling the globe. And this was always Greg Norman's idea. He's done it for three decades to try and set up this world tour. And I know that at the moment, most of the events are in the States, but I don't believe that was the plan uh, going forwards. And I don't know how it changes now, but Bryson said to me uh, two days ago that it was going to continue to be a global tour. And that's what's captivated me. And if they can take top players around the world, instead of it being all in the United States, then that's a brilliant thing for golf. And I'm sure that you feel the same. Yeah. Absolutely. And, um, you know, the feeling that I got after Live Adelaide and having access to, you know, some of the media people and, you know, spending some time in and around some of the high level people, you know, without giving it all away. Um, I certainly came away with the feeling that the intention was to take and maintain Live as a very much global entity and global product for the benefit of golf all around the world. Um, as you say, we let's see how that pans out. Um, you mentioned Bryson there. You had a great 13 or 14 minute interview with Bryson the other day. Um, what did you take out of your chat with Bryson? Uh, just really that, that they feel positive about where Liv's going. They they don't. No one there believes this is going away. I know that at the time he hadn't heard much from them, but they have had a meeting since and have obviously spoken to uh, people, representatives from the public investment fund. And all of the everything coming out yesterday was positive. So this idea that Liv is going to shut down at the end of the year, I, I can't see that. I don't see legally how that can happen because they have contracts tied now with venues for the next, some of them are for multi-year deals. They have ties with the players. I don't see why they would suddenly shut this down. But the whole point of Liv and the whole point in the Saudis getting involved with Liv was because they, they wanted to run with the PGL idea. And they were originally involved with that where they saw, the PGL saw that golf has done the same thing for 100 years and they wanted to try and change that and they weren't being welcomed into the ecosystem. So it took a bully like the a massive public investment fund and someone with the front of Greg Norman to actually take them on and, and be brave enough really to fight the establishment. And we've now ended up where we are. And, and I hope that going forward that people understand and, and respect what Liv have achieved because without them, none of this would have happened. And they don't deserve to have their, their name run through the mud like they continually are and, uh, by certain media outlets and certain players. Uh, Blakey, you're sitting up there um, listening in. You've got a vested interest in this, you know, that's your employer that we're talking about that, uh, you know, announced this partnership with DP World Tour and PGA Tour. You know, have you heard anything? Has anything come down through you with uh, what's happening for the rest of the year and then potentially moving forward after uh, this year's live schedule? Yeah, I've just heard the same thing as what Tom's heard. So uh, Greg got uh, got together with them, had a meeting with them and said, yeah, it's full full speed ahead uh, for 2023 and, and on. Um, and, you know, we can only speculate whether he's just putting on a brave face and someone's told him that or hasn't told him and he's sweating on the fact that it could fall over. But like Tom, you know, I can't see why they would just fall over, why they just pull out their investment now. Um, you know, it, it's a great thing. It's a great product that they've got. It It isn't traditional golf. It's 54 holes. I you know, get sick and get a bit boring of those 72 whole events. At the same time, I love refereeing and love holding golf tournaments, but from a spectator point of view, I, I'd prefer every tournament to be match play. So I'm, uh, you know, a bit one out of the box. That would be cool. And, and a bit different in that kind of sense. But, you know, you look at the match play type uh, tournaments that they have and the TV and the businesses and the commercial interests don't like that because – there's two people playing on the Sunday or four people playing on the Sunday and 
you know, no one wants to come and watch four people playing. Uh, they they want the and that was the whole idea of the whole elevated events and why live was a good success because you could still even with Phil Mickelson shot three over you, everyone could come and see no one a lot of the golf public don't care that whether Phil is in contention or not you know they just want to see him that was the whole idea of, of live having forty eight players and you'll be there on the Sunday because it's 54 holes and you're guaranteed to be playing. And so those elevated events that the PGA Tour were talking about, um, they're guaranteeing in the TV contracts know who's going to be turning up and it's going to be the best players in the world. Even if they are five over, they still have to turn up on the Sunday. So I like the product. Uh, Like Tom, I love the whole idea that it's going around the world. I mean, the last time we, we had President's Cup 2019 Australia and you can see Adelaide, uh, and the Australian public are so, like, just wanting that. I mean, you know, I'm not that much into cars, but the the model was very similar to the Formula One. Take it around the world, get the commercial interests, get the government interests. I mean, the Australian, uh, the, the money comes from the government in Australia because they see it as a tourism thing. Uh, and so it's, it's very similar to that Formula One model. And it, it's just a, a fantastic thing. You know, hopefully we can open up, uh, you know, they might have eight or nine in, in America at the moment, but hopefully we can open up and have one in South Africa. You know, the President's Cup we had four years ago, and so everyone was starved of professional golf. Before that, it was it was 10 years ago or 2011, eight years ago. So, you know, we have the Australian Open. We have the Australian PGA. We see four of the stars, you know, or three of the stars. We don't see the top in, in the world and now with this live coming to Adelaide and, you know, after that, our other state governments uh, are saying, hey, hey, you know, bring another one to here and, you know, Cam Smith's from Queensland and Queensland, like, bring one to Queensland and uh, that kind of thing. So now they're seeing and, you know, call it whatever you want, sports washing, but it's, it's basically a product. We love to watch sport, especially Australians, especially um, UK, uh, we love to watch sport and we'd love to see the best players in the world. And, you know, if the PGA Tour aren't going to come down here that often, someone else has to and fill that void. Tom, David just mentioned that term that, uh, you know, gets used a lot, sports washing. You know, it wasn't too long ago that Jay Monaghan sat down down, and, and basically said, you know, do you want to be proud of the tour that you're playing for and you want to, you know, be able to tell people what you do and basically saying that, you know, the live golfers should, you know, should be embarrassed about what they do and, and why they play and who they're playing for and who they're representing, i.e. the PIF um, and, the, and the Saudi government. You know, the commentary that comes through your channels, how, how has that sort of been broached in relation to this new um, acquisition or the new um, joint venture between the PIF and the uh, DP World Tour and the PGA Tour. You know, there's been a bit of a backflip yeah. and it's crazy to think that not that long ago, December, these conversations were going out like this and now it's okay. What's the cha- What's the messaging been from, from your end? Yeah, so I've, I've never really had a problem with Saudi money in golf. Um, it's just capitalism at work. It's like I work in an industry where a lot of the money that comes into the super yacht world is from people with questionable morals but i've never once like said to a shipyard that's asked me to do an interior on a boat who is this owned by um who where is this the source of this money like i I don't really see that as a problem because if we have capitalist societies then money is money it doesn't matter like where it comes from and it's also i see it as a good thing that 
if, if the Arab world wants to move in and become more westernized and, and have more sports and stuff, we've seen it with Dubai since the, since the, I mean, they started sponsoring golf and over the last three decades, they've really transformed their country and they've moved much more towards our principles and our values. And that's only a good thing. I don't understand why people have to like try and shut these guys out of the conversation. It's I just think it's laced with prejudice. And I think the whole narrative around that was forced as is as a way of trying to divide like fans and trying to push that live to one side and anyone who supported Live was was like morally bankrupt. I think it's it was a horrible thing that people have done. And the fact that they're now taking that money kind of shows you that that argument doesn't matter. It was just it's a joke. Um, I'm going to go through now and, and I'm going to look at, at specific examples uh, from people like Jay Monaghan, um, who has done a massive U-turn uh, to keep power and to line his own pockets. And, and just to, to point out the hypocrisy, really, because it's certainly I've experienced a lot of hate over the last 12 months. I know that um, the players have been worse. Uh, Richard Bland, for example, has come off Twitter twice because of the amount of abuse he's received. And it was completely unnecessary. And it was orchestrated by the people at the top of the PJ Tour. And... Um, yeah, I have a, a very, very big problem with it. And I think that everyone else should do too, because they've used a, a narrative that's laced in prejudice and hate uh, to, to divide the sport. It was completely unnecessary. And it, yeah, they just shouldn't now be fronting uh, the new venture after what they've done, in my opinion. So is that you saying that you think that Jay Monaghan isn't suitable for the role of CEO of the PGA Tour? Is that what you're saying? 100%. He should be. He should resign um, and save face. And if he's not, then the players should force him out because he hasn't represented the players at any point in this. He's done what's best for himself and the people behind the scenes. Um, it's supposed to be a player-run organisation and they very clearly made this decision without consulting the players. They haven't, they've gone against Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy who stood up for them last year uh, made the positive changes at the end of the season after the Delaware meeting. Um, I just think that's completely unacceptable. And the fact they're trying to spin this and make themselves seem like the good guys is just a joke. Um, they need to be gone and they need to be gone as soon as possible so that things can move forward. Hmm. Uh, the player meeting, you know, by all reports, certainly indicated that that was their desire. You know, the, the, the general consensus that 90, 10, 90% of the players feeling like uh, that uh, that would be what they would be happy with. That was rep what was reported. Um, okay, let's say that that does or doesn't happen. We don't know how, you know, like a lot of this, we don't know how it's actually going to um, turn out in season 2024. But Let's put our hypotheses uh, hats on. You know, how do you see it working in 2024, based on what we know, what we think, um, and what they, what's been written? To be honest, I I have no idea. The only thing that we can probably be sure about is is that Live is going to continue doing what it's been doing. But the, the PJ Tour model, I I guess they'll keep this elevated event schedule. Um, I don't know how they're going to set up the season to balance all these different tours. I'm really concerned about the European Tour. Uh, that they've, I don't know how much of a say they had in this decision, but their whole schedule, from what I was hearing, was that they were going to push some of the legacy events to the autumn period after the, the FedEx Cup had finished and then try and have the, the Irish Open, the BMW, etc. at that time of year to try and get the good players over. But if they're now going to accommodate Liv and some other things working with the Saudi um, PIF, then where does this all fit in? Because there's going to be a lot of golf for these top guys to play. And... I, I just can't see playing many events in Europe. Um, hopefully they do sort of form a, a proper global tour together and and take the BJ Tour product around the world. But I, I just can't see the European tour. Yeah, I, I don't know. I've, it's just, it sucks. Like, because Keith Petty could have, he could have 
partnership with Liv and they could have been a direct competitor to the PJ Tour and we could have had a global tour and an American tour. They could have been, you know, all worked together but been competitive and that would have been a brilliant environment for golf and I wish that happened. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're just going to have to wait and see what happens now because speculation isn't, you know, isn't really, it's just speculation. Yeah. Uh, if I speculate, you know, as much as I'd love to say that the success of Liv in Adelaide and uh, and therefore previously the the President's Cup in Melbourne, hun- hundreds and thousands of people turned out, would, would make it that we would be a destination on a global tour. But my gut feel says that this uh, alignment's going to push golf. It's not going to push any more golf our way. I don't think if we get one event in whatever shape and form it comes, but I, I just don't think that, uh, as you just mentioned, you know, Europe's got to fit in. PJ Tour's got to fit in, Live continues and fits in. You know, the whole messaging from the players is, you know, by managing their schedules and, and not playing, not overloading them. You know, we've seen that with the PGA Tour players this year, you know, getting to May, feeling burnt out, feeling like they need a break, you know, coming into some pretty major season golf. So, you know, I just can't see that uh, where the upside is in Europe you know, and how many events that they can manage. And, and us Australians down here, where will we be, where can we fit into this global environment? You know, we, we crave these golfers coming down here and seeing them. I'm, I hope there's at least an event that, that we get fit into. Yeah, me too. If I was to speculate, because I love speculating, uh, I would say maybe <laughs> Liv drops down to 10 events, but Liv is the pinnacle. Um, you can get world ranking points that way. Uh, the elevated events aren't don't go ahead and it's just pga tour everything's sort of normal obviously some events are going to have more cash than than other events uh the european tour and the asian tour possibly work a lot closer uh and bring bring tournaments and they do act as a global tour but on a you know players 100 to 400 that type of that type of thing you're still going to get have your zero to a hundred one to a hundred uh top players on the pga tour and then a lot of them will play these 10 live events and obviously the four uh majors and and you know someone like uh brooks kepka and cam smith they'll try and sign them in for every live event and they might play one or two pga tour events on the side um you know those those players that are 50 to to 100 they might be contracted in to play with one of their teams for four or five events. But, you know, from what we've seen and heard from the live guys, and obviously they have to push the narrative that they're loving it, but how could you not love it? Playing in a team, like, you know, golf is such a selfish individual sport, but when you get to go and play as a team, it's, it's an awesome thing. It, it really is an awesome thing. Um, you know, if you play in say even like a team of seven and you lose but four of your players you know four of your teammates win it's there's there's no sort of better jubilation than that whereas if you're on a losing side even though you won um you know you you feel bad for everyone that's sort of lost Team, team team sport is so much better than individual sport it's just that golf uh is a bit of a a weird sport when it comes to that kind of thing. But I, I think the, and this is probably speculation and a dream, so it's probably not going to come true, but Liv will still be sort of that pinnacle thing. It goes around the world. Uh, then the US tour is the real feeder for, for that Liv, but then the European tour and the and the other tours like uh, the Sunshine, the Asian and the Australian, 
uh, or Australasian. Um, they work together on really building people from outside the US to, you know, feed them into wherever they need to feed them and, and make the product outside of the US um, really, really good. So, so you, you honestly see that Liv will be the, the top and everything will just feed into that going forwards? You still see that? I can see it. It doesn't mean it's come true. Can't see it. Uh, no. <laughs> but but that, that is the dream. I Yeah, I still see that, yeah. Um, you know, it. Who, who knows? It could fall over tomorrow and they all stick into the US-centric thing, but if they go down the F1 track, um, that kind of model where they take it around the world to whoever's going to pay the money. I mean, that all I know, if you if you see from the LIV and the PIF, um, and especially if it doesn't even have to be just the, the men, you look at the women as well, um, if they're paying for it, you will have to go and play in the Middle East. Uh, and, you know, they, yeah. they swing in big circles uh, or sm- let's say small circles of people with a lot of money and a lot of power who love and want their course, uh, their course or their friends to enjoy um, the top players in the world coming to their, their area. Like we went and played in Thailand. Well, I didn't play. Um, We went and played in Thailand last year. That course was immaculate. Like there was no blades of grass that were out of uh, position um, and they loved it. You know, they loved these guys coming to Bangkok, coming and playing on this course that had just opened, had about three other players there play it prior to that. I mean, the guy that was managing um, Sentosa, Andy Johnson, he was absolutely putting on the best course that he possibly could in the best condition um, at Sentosa this year. And it, it looked unbelievable on TV. Uh, you know, Rowan done it. Uh, down at uh, Adelaide, did just unbelievable job. Um, so you know, it, they they want to take it outside, or I believe that they still want to take it outside. It's going to be a commercial thing too, because they, they, you know they can't just be losing money all the time. But you know, they see a lot of potential here. So that is speculation, and and that is partly my dream as well. So we'll see what happens. Well, you want to keep you want to keep employed Blakey I know how hard you yeah. work to get the opportunity to work on these events um Tom you know thinking about live and you know we've seen it be successful in certain parts of the world and probably less so in uh the US do you think that the partnership and the changing of potential changing of broadcast um broadcasters would change the landscape of live and change how the American public might adopt the concept because it seems to have been lost a bit of traction by being on YouTube and then being on the CW network and, you know, everyone piling on. Obviously, as, as you've seen, everyone likes to pile onto it because it wasn't working wherever it was being shown. If the broadcasting rights change and, and it's presented in how the market's used to seeing golf on the channels, would that change the the the, the adoption of it, in uh, of the concept in, in the States, do you reckon? Well, it certainly seems to have... Uh, it hasn't really taken off on TV and... Um, Oh, I, I don't, but we don't actually know this because we don't know the numbers. Mm. We don't know how many people are viewing it on the apps. Um, we we don't know how many. Well, I mean, they're not even releasing the numbers anymore, so we don't actually know what's happening. But on the grounds, like the the people have been turning up. The the events have been have been well supported. The one in Oklahoma, in particular, looked very busy, and there was a lot of people there. 
Um, I heard that Miami last year for the event at Doral was just fantastic. It was electric on the ground. Um, and by all accounts, obviously they sold out Australia. Um, and it looks like they're selling out London. So it's it's doing well around the globe. Um, I guess as soon as it goes on a, like a, the Golf Channel or something, if that happens, then it's, yeah, people will just really enjoy it, I think. Um, there's, I think the media guys have done a really good job with Liv. I, I love watching it. I, I love the almost the chaos of everyone finishing at the same time on different holes because you're kind of like, right, well, what's going on over there? And, oh, what's going on with the team? Even if someone's a runaway victory, you're just like, oh, right, now hopefully the Aces can tie with um with Smash so we can see a playoff or something like that. Um, I genuinely really enjoy it and I have a lot of enthusiasm for the format. And, yeah, I do think that people will pick up on it if it goes on network, um, mainstream uh, network TV in the States. I think that's what it deserves. Uh, there's been some discussion around sponsorship and the um, partnership here actually bringing more sponsors to the table. You know, it's it's no secret that the PIF has business interests or is involved in a number of American-centric businesses. Up until this time, you know, there were some partners of the PGA Tour that were starting to back away. You know, they'd lost a couple of sponsors and that sort of thing. You know, do you, do you think that this partnership will increase the amount of uh, corporate investment and corporate eyeballs coming into golf? I think it has to because the PJ Tour is, is, has made everybody choose. They've they've set like clauses in contracts and stuff that if any of their partners worked with Liv, they weren't allowed back. Um, they've done exactly the same responses that they've done with players. They've almost tried to do it with fans. Um, and now, if they're working together and all those roadblocks come down, um, I, of course you can see like top top big um, American establishments or and big companies going and sponsoring Liv because who doesn't want to sponsor the PJ Champion? You've got Phil Mickelson, uh, Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau, Cameron Smith, like the, the best players in the world, uh, literally playing on a tour where there's no sponsors. And, and that's mental. Like that's, They should have corporate sponsors because people want to be tied to these players. They're the most interesting characters in golf, some of them. Um, they're always in the news. Uh, they've been playing good golf at the majors. So any company would want to give exposure and, and have their, sh- their name on their shirt. Like it just makes sense. So, yeah, I think going forward, the floodgates will open and people will start sponsoring it. It's amazing, uh, you know, marketers, that marketing department, and I'm a bit naive to this, are not just about uh, how successful or, you know, our showcasing our product, but they're actually also, well, the competitor's product is worse, don't go with them, don't look after, you know, don't go and buy there, stay with us, Uh it's not just it's yeah it's not just we are you know trust us we're good blah 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 it's also don't trust them you know we work yeah. we'll, we'll have half of our marketing team telling everyone how bad they are and not to go that way i yeah i'm so naive to that stuff it's an it's another part Wait, of some it. of the, sorry go on you go i was gonna say some of the stuff that the pj tour has done I'm I'm going to bring attention to it because, like, for example, not just in the marketing side, but with the players, some a young lad like Eugenio Shikara, really talented guy, one on love uh, lived last year. Um, he's was he literally has a piece of paper from the tour saying he will not be banned because he was never a member if he went to live. They then changed the rules this year and said that he'd be banned for a year once he goes back because he played on a tour that wasn't sanctioned. Like, that's just insane. Like, wh- why have they done this to everybody? But like, the, the stuff that they put in to try and, like, maintain a stronghold on professional golf has been crazy. And and it's no wonder, really, they've backed down with this uh, antitrust case because they've clearly had anti, anti you know, um, like competing anti... I, I don't know what the word is. I've kind of lost my mind. I'm a bit so upset about it all. But, um, Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> like it's a- just, Adrian it's, I feel sorry, as well. 
it's just madness. Yeah. It's, I'm hoping to speak to Adrian because um, he's, to me, he's the most interesting player that he went back to the establishment and wanted to further his career there and wanted to try and play on the Ryder Cup this year. And then they've just like said, oh, thanks for you, loyalty. We, we don't care. We're going to suspend you for four, four tournaments, four of the biggest tournaments of the year. And now you're going to have no chance of qualifying for the Ryder Cup. But it's, it's a, I'm not going to swear, but it's a joke. And then, <laughs> it's just and... an absolute joke. And now they've just joined forces. So does that mean they can go, oh, well, yeah, because like they're still within, this is where they have to be really careful because they're still within their rights of doing what they did um, as per the court decision in the UK. But then now that they've gone and sided with effectively who they were calling the enemy, they've sort of ruined his career. And the same with uh, Pablo as well. Yeah, exactly the same because I have no doubt that if there wasn't the issue there has been that there would a lot be a lot more people on live right now. There was a rumor came out yesterday that um, John Rahm was in late stage discussions. Um, I don't believe he was the only top player. I know that when the signings were being announced, Phil Mickelson was awaiting on a on a top five player in the world to join his team. Um, he even had dinner with them that week. Um, that's why the the the, uh, the the announcement of the signings was delayed, and it ended up falling through. Uh, I think that they, you'd have seen a lot more players on live and these guys should rightfully be very upset that the establishment made them pick a side when they didn't need to because they, they could be playing now and had all this signing on bonus money and stuff and they've they've missed out on that. And um, yeah, their loyalty has not been rewarded and it's not, not fair for anybody really. Uh, Rory's press conference today, you know, he was very direct in in how he felt about it, you know, basically to summarise, um, he said that he still doesn't like live. Uh, he still thinks that uh, there should be some punitive measures taken against the players that left the PGA Tour because they've brought irreparable damage to the PGA Tour and he wouldn't expect them just to come back into the PGA Tour very easily uh, moving forward. I can only assume that means in 2024. Um, he's clearly upset you know and then he also said uh should the players be made good i.e financially um and he thought that that seemed fair and reasonable or tell me if i've paraphrased any of that wrong what did you think about about that uh take from rory um I, I don't understand his take at all because Rory said that he hates live and that the players have tried to destroy the tour but he's okay with the saudi pif i mean there's just hypocrisy in that straight away like the Saudi PIF was behind Live. They fronted all of these lawsuits. They paid for all these lawsuits. So how can you have a problem with the players and not with the actual source of the money? It doesn't make sense. He's just happy now that it's coming into his pockets. Like I think Rory's been the most hypocritical player throughout this whole situation. Um, he's tried to pretend that he's like defending the European tour and stuff when really he's, he's done nothing to help the European tour. He's been instrumental really in changing the schedule and making sure that the European tour gets shafted. He's then tried to ruin the Ryder Cup um, like team spirit that Europe has had by uh, by saying words against legends like Lee Westwood and Sergio Garcia, who have put their, their heart and soul into the Ryder Cup over the last couple of decades and been instrumental in it being a success. Rory's Ryder Cup record is not great. Um, he wasn't really very interested in it. He always missed his singles tee time at Medina when we come back because he was overslept. I mean, I just I hate this way that he's being pushed up as this uh, into a pedestal and it's like this big moral character when, in my opinion, he's done the opposite. He's created more divides than he's done to help anything in golf. They, uh, Sorry, <laughs> ransom. They changed. They He left and went to the PGA Tour, and then they changed the European Tour rules so that he exactly. didn't, have, didn't have to play as many tournaments so that he could still make that Ryder Cup team. So 
how how he how he speaks highly of the European tour when he was happy for them to fall apart in the first place. Uh, it's just unbelievable. I mean, he obviously it's, it's so clear that he's not really that much of a team player. I don't understand why people can't see through it. Like it just it does really blow my mind how he's he's like this like mythical figure almost in golf that seems to be untouchable because he just he says so many things which are just ridiculous and and then changes his mind all the time and yet people still respect his opinions i just i can't i can't get my head around it i really can't they, um they yeah just, they like it because they say what he's saying what they want to hear well it's going to be interesting to see you know what his relationship with jay monaghan is going forward because you know i'm not sure how he looks at him in the eye and you know shakes his hand moving forward because from an outsider's perspective it looks like he's been you, you know used as a bit of a stooge to be honest um he has i it, it wouldn't surprise me if he's been used by someone else as well. Um, you know, this whole TGL thing, um, I don't know sometimes if, if he's actually speaking his own words or if he's, if he's trying to please other people behind the scenes, which um, maybe it's private equity or something, I don't know. But it's the amount he changes his mind um, is is actually staggering. And, uh, yeah, I'm not entirely sure that he's thinking through what he's saying. You've you've been sought out for your, your discussion on this in the last 48 hours. You know, who, who have some of the... Uh, who have you had some of the interesting conversations with? You know, you had your interview with Bryson, which is which was great. It's great to get him. Um, you know, where else have you been uh, chatting? Because I know you're busy. You probably haven't slept for forty eight hours. No, it's, it's uh, yeah. I mean, that day I had a lot of people, people from Live, um, lots of players from from different tours. Uh, I then somebody asked me. Sam asked me to go on the uh, Golf Oklahoma. Uh, podcast and radio show and it was going to be at 2am my time so I thought oh, I'll just I'll still do it and then I had a phone call with someone from Liverpool like at one o'clock um, so in a player and stuff and I just yeah I didn't really sleep yesterday I had about an hour of sleep and then went and played a charity day at Wentworth and um, that was fun I I did not flush it that day <laughs> I was chopping it yesterday but yeah so I'm, I'm hoping to get some more people on um, to talk about things uh, over the next few days so it'll be good to hear the perspective of, of some players especially the guys from Liv and also the guys that left live to go back to the European tour because their stories are fascinating. Um, and, you know, they really need to get their, their opinions out there. I think it should be heard. What's the, the goal of flushing it moving forward? You know, is it, is it just continue as your, is it your little pet or how do you, how do you see flushing it? And uh, cause it's, it's amassed a, a huge following and you know, it is sought after what's, what's the future look like for flushing it in this new uh, landscape of professional tournament golf moving forward? It's, it's a really good question. Um, things have obviously moved quick. Like I, I never had any intention of, of big. I just wanted to, talk about golf you know and try and get some kids into the game but now it's completely blown up i mean being one of the first people to talk to bryson kind of blew my mind just uh two days ago and uh, the, the people that i am talking to quite regularly now are, are very influential players in the game and there's obviously an opportunity here um but i i really don't know i, I know if i wanted to do something with it and and make it bigger i've got people like wanting to invest and stuff already um, but I, I need to take a, a few days out really and kind of think about what I want to do going forward because there is a massive opportunity and if it's something that I want to do then it's yeah I think I can grow into a really big thing and I do you know there's a lot of journalists and media that I've spoken to over the last last 12 months and stuff they've done a great job but there's also a lot of them that have done a terrible job and getting information out about Liv and about what's happening to the Asian tour and 
and in particular that side and the players and the, the, the point of view of the players that have, have uh, made those decisions just hasn't been reported very well at all it's a lot of this stuff I was, was talking about last June like the, the international series to qualifying for live yeah even as of Christmas people were saying there's no qualifying for live like that's just nonsense there there is and there always has been if people were paying attention so I I think that yeah that, that there are certainly there is an opportunity to to relay the facts a bit more and to, and to give that sort of perspective to to fans of golf that that to be honest deserve a lot better than some people have uh, have given them over the last few months Blakey anything come down the channels from about the Asian tour from your end the only thing I've heard is that you know the Asian tour is is healthy and um, still think that it's uh, yeah everything's working well for them and it's just going to get even better now that because they they were put in the corner they were left outside they suddenly became the black sheep when they still had a seat at the table on the OWGR um, but they were you know oh you've gone and sided with the dark force uh, so now that will start open open back up and they can have conversations and you know the fact that we're holding uh, the international series in England and in Scotland in August and then the European tour hold tournaments in Japan and Korea and we don't talk to each other uh, it's just it's just worrying for go- global golf you know we should be talking to each other we should be merging not merging but you know we should be seriously a lot uh, yeah speaking yeah. And, and working with each other the whole way through, you know, mainly just to grow the game or just to make that that product attractive. You know, golf, I actually had a conversation with someone today and golf is a weird sport because the reality is 80% of people who play golf don't care about professional golf. They just are recreational golfers and they just want to go and play their game of recreation golf on whatever day that they choose. But there is a 20% that want to... Um, watch the game of golf, want to follow the game of golf. And that, that uh, you know, the game, the professional game is a marketing tool. It is an entertainment tool. Number one, it is an entertainment tool, but is it, it, is, it is also an, a marketing tool for people that don't play the game of golf. You know, you can suddenly flick it onto the TV or it comes up on YouTube. Oh, I might give that game a go. They're not going to necessarily see that from, you know, just driving past a golf course, uh, that type of thing. So, you know, it is a, the professional game is a very small part of our sport, whereas, you know, other sports like uh, rugby league, um, football, uh, basketball, that type of thing, once you get over a certain age, you just focus on watching and, and the entertainment value of those sports. So golf is a very interesting thing from that point of view, but... You know, I, I don't see. I think the Asian, the Asian tour, will just go from strength to strength now. Uh, Tom, you're planning to go to the next couple of live events. Uh, hopefully, certainly you've got one at uh, Valderrama, and then you've got uh, the one in London. What I experienced when I was hanging out with David at Live Adelaide, you know, we're just going back to that team concept and how the players seem to be really enjoying their experience. You know, we saw. Yeah, who do we see? We saw the South African team out there all playing together. Of course, they were playing for some cash. So, uh, but they were having a bucket load of fun just out there by themselves. There was no one, there was no show being put on. It was practice day. Uh, they were enjoying it. Uh, we saw who else did we saw? We saw Bubba and uh, some of the range goats playing together, and just 
Blakey pulled them over, had a chat about a rules uh, situation that was happening with some relay turf and the guys just came down and had their you know, 10 minutes worth of chat and Harold Varner said, say good day to the bloke in Australia that he beat in a tournament when he won over here a few years ago. It was just very relaxed, but they really did seem to be enjoying that team environment and, and being there. So whatever Liv looks like moving forward, and let's hope that on a Liv side, for Blakey sense, yeah, because he's got to keep a job, um, that it keeps going and uh, and then it integrates into this new system and ecosystem of worldwide professional golf that it now exists within. Um, Tom, I hope you have a great time when you do, do go there and, and participate in the media um, and get up close and, and see everyone that you've been uh, talking about. Um, it's going to be great for you and, and you, sh- you two guys should uh, get together. I'll give you the tip. Blakey gets access to a cart. And uh, if you jump in, that, if, if you jump in that cart with Blakey, he will personally whiz you round on the practice day, so you can see everywhere and see everything. He's got a special technique for getting under the rope. Uh, it's it's like a limo service for uh, the media that Blakey offers out at Live. He's probably going to lose his job after me telling that, but uh, you should you you should get together with him because he'll he'll whiz you around, no problems. Blake. Yeah, I definitely will. I look forward to it. Yeah, well, the interesting thing about Centurion is it's spread out. So the 10th hole and the 9th, 10th hole are miles away from the clubhouse. So uh, that's where they stuck me last year, right, right out there on uh, 789. Um, so I was miles away. Um, but, yeah, absolutely, Tom, uh, come say hello. And if you're there on the practice day, we can go and watch uh, the Pro-Am as well. Uh, it's pretty It's pretty fun. Yeah, it's a great opportunity. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. It's- Quick question, yeah. Dave. What's what's Slugger White like? Because he's kind of a mythical feature <laughs> creature, isn't he, in the rules world? What's he like to uh, to be around? Uh, he's he's very fun, very funny. Uh, Is he? He's uh, you know it, he's a great uh, resource and knowledge to have. He's been around these players. He was a player himself. He's been around the players um, for you know thirty years plus. Uh, they all know him by first name or nickname obviously uh yeah and he's just got so much experience he's he's heard all the bullshit stories uh from the players so he doesn't put up with too much um but at the same time he listens to everyone he's happy to hear what they have to say and then um you know make a decision after that but he's he's been around everything's happened to him when it comes to golf so uh yeah he he's got so much to pass on and you know he's a figure that when he was on the PGA Tour, he was you know, the big guy, Slugger White. But then when he moved to live, oh, we hate that guy. You know, they love to just <laughs> yeah. go. You know, it was just so easy for the media to just go from um, hero to zero uh, because that was their, the way they wanted to spin it. And it was it was scary the way that they could so easily do it, but just for their own narrative, um, which was a shame. But no, the, the personnel... What you see in front of the media probably isn't uh, what you see behind the scenes. Everyone's sort of more friendly than you think, and we get along with sort of everyone and happy to talk to anyone, um, but that's not how we are portrayed. Or, and when I say we, them, that's not how they are portrayed. And uh, But, yeah, no, we're, yeah. We're, we're all the same. We're all working towards, you know, making a successful product. And if they do come along and say, look, your time is over. The experiment was was great, but uh, it's now time to move on. Hopefully, we merge into and and that product is still there. It might not be called Live, but it might be called under that PGA Tour, DP World Tour banner. Great. Um, I'll still be available. Uh, you know, 
my dream was always to work for the PGA Tour and uh, I still have that dream in some aspect. Liv came along with something similar and, uh, and it allowed me to stay in Australia, which really helped. Uh, but uh, I've... I have nothing against, absolutely had nothing against the PGA Tour. Not that uh, anyone would believe that because once you start working for Live, you're a shrill. But uh, yeah, the, I, I still very much am a supporter, just like Rory of Global Golf. Yeah, it's not, it's not really been about, um, it's not, it's not about the PGA Tour, is it? It's the leadership that set this narrative and tried to make you guys as the enemy, and that's kind of what it's uh what it's been about it's not about hating the tour or hating live golf it's about hating a narrative isn't it yeah and it's just been kind of insane to see how it's been over the last few months who do you think uh, has handled the narrative better greg and his team or or jay you know i think i think the answer is going to be obvious but what's your commentary on that well i haven't really seen a lot coming out from live of people talking bad and negatively about other players so it's obviously been being greg and live because Short of there is maybe the odd comment, but they really haven't sort of gone on this anti PJ tour like publicity campaign, like it's been the other way around. So, yeah, I think, like you said, the answer is pretty obvious, isn't it? If you actually look at the facts. Do you think, uh, Greg, yeah, what's Greg's future? Um, I mean, I've, I've no idea. But it's, it's, if they keep it going for the next few years, then hopefully he stays on. If, if they keep Jay Monaghan, then Greg's got to stay because. Jay Monaghan's done a terrible job, whereas Greg's managed to actually completely disrupt the whole establishment and turn golf on its head. Is you know, I, I think I can't speak hardly enough for Greg Norman. Really, I think he's had this vision for years and had blockades put in his way. And whether people think he's done it for selfish reasons or not, he's done it for global golf fans and as well. And as a global golf fan that wants to see more golf played around the world and more interesting golf courses, it's I, I'm like. I think he's done a brilliant job and I can't give him enough credit for it because it, this wouldn't have happened without Greg. If they had someone else in that wasn't so so like brazen and not scared to take on the establishment, I don't think they, they we would be where we are now in goal because it just like it was such a powerhouse and such a monopoly that it took this, it took billions of pounds and someone with the stones of Greg Norman to take it on. And yeah, I think Greg's done a fantastic job and you just look at where we are now with the media coverage. It's, it's dramatically improved over the last 12 um, 12 months on the PJ Tour side. Liv's done some fantastic things. Um, like if if people start playing around the world and, and all these changes are down to Liv and without him, it wouldn't have happened. And I really, really, really do think that Greg Norman deserves a hell of a lot of credit for what he's achieved. Uh, I should have probably asked this at the start and I'll let you go in a second, but um, with the partnership and PIF having investment, but the PJ Tour still having the majority voting rights on the board, how do you how do you think that plays out? You know, with uh, Mr. Al Ramian as the um, chairman, but Jay Monahan as the CEO, and PIF being a minority in the P. It just I, I can't get my head around how that's going to be a smooth sailing ship. Well, it's, the money always wins. Um, at the end of the day, whoever's got the most money involved in the company, they're probably going to win out and end up taking control of that company. And whether they have a figurehead like a Jay Monahan, or he loses his job and they get someone else in. They're always just a figurehead. Like they're not actually making the decisions. Like the equity behind the scenes is the one that makes the decisions. And so I don't think you know they, they're trying to paint it now that even Rory said that live answers to Jay Monaghan. Um, I don't think that'll be the case. Like everyone's going to be answering to the PIF because they're the money guys. And and 
yeah, all obviously the whatever the XG is that comes from um, America that goes into this as well, because there's no doubt there will be that as well. Um, but they're the people that will be calling the shots. It won't be Jay Monaghan. Uh, yeah, my experience in business uh, is somewhat limited over the journey, but you know, I would have to concur that uh, you know, the investors hold the power when it comes to any organisation. Uh, the investors certainly hold the weight. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how it pans out. Okay, I'm going to let you go, but um, you've what are you working on? You've got some, you're down there, are you in Southampton now? Yeah, just, just at the workshop, I'm just spraying up some things. Um, yeah. It's a yeah. It's been a been a obviously with because I had to take a day off yesterday for the golf and I I didn't work at all on um on Wednesdays. Um, is it Wednesday? Tuesday. I completely lost track of time. Is it Thursday today? Yep, it's Thursday. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, it, my time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We've we've all got to catch up and work. It's, it's going to be a manic day, and it's really it's quite warm here as well. It's, it's up late twenties degrees uh, Celsius. So. Yeah, uh, you it's, um, it's going to be a long, long day at work. You can see here with the uh, scarf, it's uh, it's, a, it's getting into winter here in uh, Melbourne, so it's a bit a bit chilly. Uh, any super yachts, um, you know, ex uh, oligarch uh, super yachts, still kicking about South, Southampton Harbour there? There's there's nothing really around this way. We we generally travel because um they get built in Germany, yep. um and then they end up down the Mediterranean or in the Caribbean. So um yeah, we we may build stuff here and then we ship it out, or I'll travel down to uh, wherever the yachts are. But there's not a lot here at the moment. Um, actually, a fascinating one is one of the ex-Russian oligarchs, um, oligarchs yachts has been sold to Saudi Arabia. Serene, it got sold earlier this year. So it's kind of funny how this whole stuff gets interconnected. It's um, yeah, capitalism at work, as I say. They've got a new toy this year because yeah, Serene's a lovely yacht. So if that's there in uh, is when you go in there October, um, yeah. If she's there, then yeah, that's a lovely, a lovely piece of uh, property. So you'll enjoy that. I'll look out for that. Thank you. Uh, Tom, have you ever been down to Australia? Have you ever, ever seen any golf down uh, this part of the world? Unfortunately, I've never been to Australia, but I, I definitely plan to come. So, yeah, in my, in my time so far, I haven't, I haven't been there. But, yeah, I'd love to come. The golf courses just look so good. So I'd love to play a few of them. We are spoiled. You were on a good one yesterday at Wentworth, I believe. But, um, yeah, we've certainly got some great golf courses down here in Melbourne. Not too many super yachts. Uh, so I'm not sure how many uh, bits of work that you could combine. There's on the top. odd one. It's, yeah. The Packers have the Packers have got a fleet. Yeah. Um, they had a, a really big one built. It was over 100 meters. Was built. Um, I think it was delivered about three years ago. I did some work on that one. Um, yeah. So the Packers are they're quite they're quite a big player in the in the yacht game. They've got loads of boats down the Med. Um, it's, it's yeah. When, when I'm sure they take them to Australia every now and then. <laughs> hey Tom, uh, I'm sure that there's probably some stuff that we circled around some stuff that we brushed over there's some definitely some stuff that we spoke about and, and and unpacked just this myriad of thoughts that's clearly flashing through everyone's minds at the moment you've helped us yeah put a perspective on it from your end with all of the tweet and the tweet activity that you've seen yeah you get exposed to a lot so i appreciate you coming on taking the time out of your day to um help us unpack that and share a bit of uh the love with the listeners uh for all our listeners you should go and follow tom at uh, flushing it any, where, where should everyone follow you at, uh, Tom? Give shout out, shout that out now. Uh, yeah, just at Flushing It Golf. On, it's only on Twitter and Instagram at the moment, but um, yeah, we may have some more platforms going forward. So thanks for the chat, guys. I really enjoyed it. Mate, all the best with that. And uh, as I said, check you out, check it out, and uh, appreciate the time, mate. Um, and maybe we can uh, catch up over there one day. Definitely catch up with Blakey. Um, and anytime uh, you want to chat with us and share the message here in Australia, um, we're here for you, mate. No problems. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks very much. Cheers, guys.